Welcome to the clan! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music industry. Leverage is a strategic advantage. It's the power to act effectively. It's what you're gonna need to get ahead in today's music industry. The good news is, we got to do it for ourselves. That's also the bad news. We got to do it for ourselves and it's going to take leverage. They want to see what you've done. They want to see a track record. They want to know that you're capable of doing it before they're going to invest their time and energy into you, whether you're a singer, songwriter, artist, whatever. So that's why we called this podcast, The Climb, Creating Leverage in the Music Business. Brilliant. That's a brilliant backstronym from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he connects you to the pros so you can find out where you stand, what you got to work on, and maybe even create a relationship. Find Brent super easy at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. That's right. And I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They help you find your sound. They help you grow your audience. And Daredevil has created over 25 national TV opportunities for their indie artists by making them discoverable. They've also created multiple tour opportunities. And through the power of digital marketing data, they've attracted a number of investors for their artists. Investors are the money people, folks. The investors like the numbers because the numbers don't like because numbers can't talk. You can find Johnny at Daredevil Production. Dot com. That's production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. Although he could use a couple more of himself because he's busy. <laughs> How you doing? Man, I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in there. What are we going to learn today? Man, I had the opportunity at the time of this recording, it was last week, so about two weeks ago by the time this drops, to go to church and school at the same time. Really? I'm an auditorium, the Mother Church of Country Music. They had the National Songwriters Awards. For 2019, they awarded the 10 Songs I Wish I'd Written awards, and we're going to talk about those and what we can learn from those and maybe help you write your own songs. Didn't you get one of those? Yeah. You got one of those. I got one of those on my wall. Yeah, so I got one in 2005 for a Monday Morning Church. So okay. this is Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into all that, but yeah, so that's, that's one of those. That's, that's, if I could only have one on the wall, that would probably be that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Well, before that, let's take care of a little business here. You know, we've got artists on tour this fall and straight up it's, we know it's a digital world, but it's, it's super, super important to have physical media for today's independent musician. And our artists will go out with physical product, including t-shirts, USBs, merch, CDs, all that kind of stuff, because that's people are going to buy that at the shows and that's what's going to get you to the next town. The digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like a CD or vinyl or t-shirts at gigs is, is it's not become important. It's become mission critical to making the tour work. That's right. If you're just hoping for streams to float your boat, I see streams and boat. Boom. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. If you're just hoping for streams to float your boat, you're going to need about 3,000 streams to equal the money, the income from selling one CD at a show, right? So that's a whole lot of streams to float your boat. Hey, while you're out there, if you're out there playing gigs anyway, get some CDs, get some physical merch, put it on the table so you can get some money in exchange for that. It's a whole lot more than just the streams. Let the streams flow, baby. But you want this other physical product as well. And our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your CDs, your disc, your other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. And you can find the fine folks at Disc Makers at www.discmakers.com or you can give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. Right on. And hey, if you haven't joined uh, the Climb community yet, please do so. Go to Facebook, search for the Climb community in the groups and ask to be let in. We let everybody in, but this is a very vibrant group. Lots of activity Mm -hmm. going on. Lots of people going back and forth. Nobody's shouting into the corner. Yeah. And we're trying to post on the regular in there and and we're doing a pretty good job of it. 
I think. Mm-hmm. And with regular features, like what do we got going on? There? Well, I just wanted to share a little something, a little spotlight. This is every Wednesday we do the new heights post where, you know, cause it's the climb, share your new heights with us. And so yeah. we have a lot of people posting. So here's one from Jessica Jordan. Hey, Jessica says, uh, I'm a stay at home mom of three boys released my first single back in January. I've been hitting up local open mics weekly for a few years. And now I'm thrilled to announce that I'll be releasing my first EP this fall because my Kickstarter is fully funded. So uh, to anyone feeling like they just can't, let me tell yes. you, it's possible. So rock on, Jessica. Keep on climbing. Way to go, Jessica. Yeah. So right. that's just a, another win in the community. And that's fun. We should share these kind of – we did that last time. I was like, I should do this more often. That feels good to share a, a win from our community. I, do, I love that. And hey, Jessica, not for nothing, don't for, I hope you put some money in the budget for marketing. <laughs> the good news is at least she's been playing shows and stuff before she came out with the record. That's right. Yeah, so she's got an audience. Getting some audience. That's right. That's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. So uh, subscribe to the podcast as well. Make sure that uh, wherever you list, like to listen to podcasts that you get every episode and you can kind of cherry pick what makes sense to you. And we're trying to up our ratings and reviews. So if you've been thinking about doing it, please take 30 seconds and do it. Just go right there to iTunes, leave, leave a rating review, leave your honest assessment of the show while you listen to it. That helps other people feel good about giving it a shot, making it, it provides the social proof you've heard us talk about so much on the show Mm -hmm. that this is worth my time and I'm going to get something from it. And then finally just share it with people. If there's something that blew your mind, get out there and let other people know why. And now you're going to resonate with them and they'll they'll give it a listen to because that's why we're doing it. We're just doing it to help you guys. And the more we can help, the better we do. Right. Amen. Everybody wins. All right. So songs. I wish I'd written. Every year for I don't know how long. I mean, uh, let me look in the program here. Probably since, well, I'm not sure. They've been having the National Songwriters Awards from like since like 1967. So uh, this is some NSAI puts on, National Songwriters Association International. And so this was the 2019 version of it. I, so I went to it the other night and, you know, they award the like songwriter artist of the year, which is Luke Combs, the songwriter of the year, Josh Osborne. And a couple other stuff like President's Keystone Award to George Strait, Christofferson Lifetime Achievement Award to Loretta Lynn, the White Hat Award to Lamar Alexander, Senator. And then my favorite stuff is the songs I wish I'd written, which is voted on by the pro membership of NSAI. So if you're a pro member, you get your ballot and it has like a ton of singles on it, you know, from the previous year. And you get a vote on the 10 that you wish you'd written. That's the criteria. Wish I wrote that. Mm hmm. So, you know, I get mine every year, so I get a vote on it. And yeah, like you mentioned before, I was blessed to win one of these in 2005 with Monday Morning Church. And that's why I said if I could only have one of those things on my wall, it might be that one, just because that's voted on by like your peers and your heroes. Your, but your of all heroes. the awards, yeah, that would be the that's best. That's the one voted on by like songwriters. They're going, yeah. that's a song. And so that's the one that means the most to me. Like, you know, the, the platinums and, and that stuff, that means I got to make a living <laughs> doing yeah. some stuff. I got to make some money. But the song I wish I written means I made an impression on, on songwriters. <laughs> and that just, you like me. No, you like my work. Uh, but anyway, so I think it's the coolest award. Uh, and this year, for the first time, all 10 songs got performed like in full by either the writer or the artist or the writer and the artist, which is really cool. So they played them all, which what I was thinking about like, Oh my gosh, what would have happened in 2005? If they're like, you and Aaron need to get up there and perform that sucker. I'm like, what am I going to do? Hold a shaker and triangle and do an interpretive dance. <laughs> hold I'll this be cocktail like, while, while yeah, let me just hold your drink, Aaron. And you do, you do that country thing you do so well. Anyway, <laughs> so not something to think about, but anyway, I was, I'm off the hook cause that was a while back, but as I take a drink of coffee, um, so let's just run through these. I want, I want to share these with you. And so these are songs that professional songwriters are like, I wish I wrote that. So there's something going on with these songs that hey, maybe we should pay attention to, right? Right. So help you on your climb. So let's go ahead and start. And these are in no particular order except for the last one. So we don't know where these came in the voting. We just know they're all in like the top 10. First one is Meant to Be by Florida Georgia Line and B.B. Rexa. And so, you know, I'll just play just, I don't want to do this for all these songs, but you should know all these songs if, if you're a country listener anyway. Let me find my, uh, my little music here. And here's why I think this sucker's in there. Okay, 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 okay,
So rocket science. No, this is. <laughs> I, I think. I think it's this is in there because it was a huge old hit because of the vibe. It's so that's chorus. Who's not singing that chorus the second time you hear it? Yeah, right. Yeah. We can all sing along because they got like five words in it, and yeah. so it's just so singable. So it's not like this big, whoever Carrie Underwood melody. It's just it's so singable, and it's a light, easy message, but it's a positive message that in that chorus can be applied to so many things, and it's just, so it's a vibe. And so singable. And that's something that we'll touch on uh, on several of these songs is singability. I was like, okay. Because I was sitting here, like I said, I was going to church and going to school at the same time, just trying to go, what is making these these, you know? Right. Uh, So second one, Whiskey Glasses by uh, Morgan Wallen. And so that one, I I think a couple of things that are, are great about this is you got the catchiness. You got that bridge going, line them up, line them up, line them up, line them up, knock them back, knock them back. You know, uh-huh. you just got that repetition. Let's do it again until everybody in the whole crowd and the whole audience is singing. Yeah. If I'm ever going to move on, line them up, line them up. You know, just doing like, here's our crowd participation portion of our show. All right. So you got that, which is super hooky. and Or you may hate it. But hey, that's what makes a hit, right? You love it or you hate it. It's reactive. Mm-hmm. It's a bold choice. It's a choice, that's right. right? And so, and also one thing that's great about whiskey glasses is how the phrasing on the verses keeps changing, not from verse to verse, but within that verse. So you got that pour me, pour me another round. You know, so it's kind of slow, then it speeds up. It's like don't want to think about her or wear a ring without her. Don't want to hit the carry boat. Karaoke bar can't, don't want to sing without her. So make them drink strong because brother, she's gone. You know, so it keeps yeah. changing up. It's not the same thing the whole way through the verse. So you got like three different like phrasing melodic pieces at least going on in the verse before you even hit that chorus. Yeah, and like that those are those three different hooks. There's a but hook in the verse and there's a hook in the chorus. There's three different hooks in the verse and then a hook in the chorus and it makes it's it It's like all these tasty little things. Like, and that song feels fat to me because of the beat. Just feels fat. And uh, let me see if I can pull, man, I don't, I'm not gonna pull all this stuff up. But you know, so there's maybe you love the the poor me part, you know, it's a little more yeah. open. Poor or maybe you love the, the you know, or maybe you love, don't wanna think about her, wear a ring without her. Maybe you love that. Maybe you love the line them up, line them up. Maybe actually, and that's not even the course. So it's yeah. all, you know, and it reminds me of, and some people will hit me in the face for mentioning the Beatles here in reference to a Morgan Wallen song. But <laughs> I remember, so there's so many, and I'm not saying this Beatles, but I remember having that one album of the Beatles, like all their number ones, and listening through it one night right before I was going to go to bed. And it's like right after I moved to Nashville. So I still remember I was in my uncle's mother-in-law's you know, house where I was renting a room. I had my big boom box with my remote control and I was, you know, I had that CD on. I was going to listen to it as I just kind of zoned out to go to sleep. I ended up listening to the whole record in full, but I was going to skip get a little right. bit of this, skip to that. But like every part was melodic, different from the other part and it didn't stay on any one part for too long. That kind of changed. You got later Beatles, but especially that early stuff, you know, yeah. I just want to hold your hand and it kept moving and changing and every part was tasty. Yeah. It didn't stay anywhere too long. It didn't wear its welcome out on any of that stuff. It was like tightly constructed, but every little section was really hooky for what it was and moved on to the next thing. And so that's something like, oh, yeah, this verse keeps changing, but each part is hooky. And then you get to the course. You know, yeah. it's like, you're having fun before. Like, oh, oh, my gosh. If the appetizers are this good, yeah, yeah. I haven't got to the main course yet. But the appetizers exactly. are kicking my butt, you know? So that's one thing I think is great about that. And, and a lesson is, each part of your song, try to make it a hooky melodically, changing up the phrasing. Again, like the phrasing on the second verse is the same as the first verse. So you're not changing up from verse to verse, but within that verse, there's sections and it keeps it moving. It keeps it interesting. It's like, yeah, man, what's it going to do next? So that's Whiskey Glasses. Drunk Girls, number three by Chris Jansen. And so I think one of the things that make this great is a great twist on the title. So they say, you know, take a drunk girl home. And so when you hear that in country song, you're thinking it's going to be this total bro fest, right? It's a bro fay we're right. about to eat off of, right? <laughs> and she's drunk. I bet there's a tailgate. And I bet there's a rear. And I bet I'm going to take a drunk girl home. I'm eating off the bro fay. Choose your adventure, <laughs> right? No, it's not. 
it's this message about be a gentleman. If you see there's a drunk girl that is not worrying, she's in a place where she's going to make good choices or take care of herself. She's just got a big old target on her. Take a drunk girl home, let her sleep all alone. You know, lock the door behind you on your way out. That sort of thing. That's the difference between a boy and a man. Take a drunk girl home. So it's this real positive anti-me you, <laughs> anti-me too kind of mess. It's like, don't be that guy. Be a good guy that respects and takes care of a girl when she's in that state. So so I think that was super fresh. You know, oh, yeah. Opposite of, of so much bro stuff that's going on. Like, hey, girl, get your sugar shaker up in my truck. You know, that kind of thing. It's not very respectful of women. Like, that's just kind of all she is. Is it? She's a yeah, sugar so- shaker in shorts. Um, <laughs> sugar, sugar, sugar. Say that five times fast. Oh, in shorts. <laughs> so I think part of it's counter-programming, and we're hungry for some depth. And like, oh, man, that what a good positive message. Like, respect that girl. Even yeah. if you don't know her, she's not your girl. Respect her. And so I think that's a lot. And there's great imagery in there. It starts off talking about how the stamps on her hand got her hand looking like a rainbow kind of thing. Mm. You know, all the different other stamps from all these bars she's been in. You know, she's either bachelorette or she's coming off a breakup, take a drunk girl home. You know, just (laughs) great imagery, great writing in there. So that's drunk girl. Number four we got here on songs I wish I'd written. God's Country, Blake Shelton. Wait, can we go back? Yeah, yeah go back to drunk girls. So Chris, you Jansen, always go back to the drunk girl. <laughs> hey, yeah, this is part I want to hang on and talk about. You know, when we do song title challenges, and we're every other Friday we do this, and we're trying to get into just teaching people how to flex that muscle before you start putting the pen to the paper. You know, how else can you spin it, right? So, drunk mm-hmm. girl, prime example. You know, Chris Jensen did the same thing with. It could buy me a boat. You know, it's just so clever mm-hmm. how he talks about, I need all this money. And this is, and, and, and you're thinking everybody else thinks, cause I could get a yacht and I could get a big house and I could yeah. get the fast car. And he's like, cause it could buy me a boat and a truck to pull it and, yeah. and a Yeti, you know? And so he just, all of a sudden he's talking about all the simple things that he really mm-hmm. wants. Just to be, it's like, yeah, yeah, money won't solve everything, but it'd buy me a boat. Yeah. It would buy me a boat. <laughs> you know, and that's so relatable. To some people that have a huge, like, you know, like Forrest Gump said, you know, one less thing to worry about kind of thing, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't, I know it's not going to solve everything, but, you know, maybe I can't buy happiness, but I'll try to rent it if I can. Yeah. But it just, I mean, it's not, but it's not ostentatious like that, right? It's like a bunch of things that like a redneck would. Yeah. Want to spend his money on if I just got, if I got a raise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, but just clever. Like, just want to point that out. Like, that's what's so clever about the drunk girl thing is it goes a completely different way than mm. you think it's going to by reading the title. And you know, shame on you for thinking that to begin with. You well, it's funny because I heard a little, guns. yeah, a little <laughs> bit of the story of of them writing. This was Chris Jansen. It was Tom Douglas and Scooter Caruso. And man, if you you know if you know Scooter stuff or Tom stuff, you know that they're like they're deeper than the average writer, more poetic and. And just coming from a different place. And so I think it was Tom Douglas that came in with the idea of take a drunk girl home. And so they're both leaning in going, okay, well, we know this is not what we think it is because it's Tom Douglas. What <laughs> yeah, there's more this? to this story. Like, like what? yeah, you're, okay. <laughs> you know, either you really got hit on the head last night or where's this going? And so it's like, oh, that's what happens with Tom Douglas, Scooter Caruso, and Chris Jansen, right? Take a drunk girl home. I so, love that. Yeah, it's, it's great. So all right, number four is God's Country. Written by Devin Dawson, Jordan Schmidt, and Michael Hardy. And I, I think one thing that's great about this is just the song slams, has great energy. I think it's written well to the hook. Cause if you look at a lot of the stuff in there, for one thing, it's just a like how has God's country not been a hit like 12 times over? But the way they did it is not too not too preachy or mm-hmm. patriotic or whatever. You know, you think God and country or whatever. But talking about let's see just outside of this one church town. So they twisted a cliche, right? We, you know, we talk about the cliche pinata. Yeah. The heck out of a cliche and see what candy falls out. Well, instead it's God's one country. Horse town. Instead of a one horse town, it's a one church town, which is fresh and also speaks directly to, it's already setting up, already foreshadowing our hook. And the point of this thing is God's country. So it's right. a small town. How do you say that? One horse town. Yeah, but it's God's country. It's a one church town. Oh, there right, we go. So that's spot on writing right from the, get and there's a gold dirt road to a whole lot of nothing so gold dirt referencing streets of gold in heaven to a whole lot of nothing got a deed to the land but it ain't my ground this is god's country 
right? We mm. pray for rain and thank him when it's fallen because it brings, it brings the grain and a little bit of money. We put it back in the plate. I guess that's why they call it God's country. We'll talk about the church, but you know, he's the one that sends the rain, makes the, makes the crops grow, and it turns into money. We put some of that money back in the offering plate at church. I guess that's why they call it God's country. You know, he's the beginning and the end. You know, he sends it, and we send part of it back to him, right? Oh, yeah. And then the chorus just kicks. It just, you know, it's a great energy song. It's not hating on other people. It's not like this is God's country, and you're in the devil's New York City. No, it's not, it doesn't have any of that. It's just praising what we got. I love what I got, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a really beautiful brochure. Like, man, don't you wish you were down here? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. This is God's country. And then... My goodness, and I think a line that just is the killer, like when you hear it toward the end of the chorus is just like throw your hands up like, that's awesome, is the devil went down to Georgia, but he didn't stick around because this is <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, that's good. That's just, you know, when the, somebody threw that out in the room, they had to be like either a moment of silence or they're just up and high-fiving because that's freaking awesome. The devil went down Charlie to Georgia. Daniels, devil went down to Georgia. <laughs> The it's like a three-pronged like three hit. Like, right? Boom of cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's on point. The devil went down to Georgia. And the Georgia's the South. So in the context of this, that's God's country. And he didn't stick around, which mm. is the story of the song. We all know. Because this is God's country. Dang. Thank you. And you, and you just oh. dipped in a little bit of Charlie Daniels cool into the Oh, exactly. You borrowed a little cool from CDB, you from know? From CDB. Oh. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the best rich guy I've ever had. Mm. <laughs> um, lyrical miracles right there. So God's country. Uh up number five, Burning Man by Dirks Bentley. Written by, let's see here. Uh, I should go ahead and say um Meant to Be was written by BB Rexa, David Garcia, Josh Miller, and Tyler Hubbard. Whiskey Glasses by Ben Burgess and Kevin Kadish. Uh Drunk Girl, I mentioned. Chris Jansen, Scooter Caruso, Tom Douglas, God's Country, Devin Dawson, George Smith, Michael Hardy. So notice not all the artists are the writers on the, these, which is nice too. And like, huh? And they turned out to be killer songs. What? Uh, yeah. It says one thing: an art. If it's a great song, an artist will cut an outside song. And two, it better be a great freaking song for an artist to cut an outside song. Yep. All right, Burning Man, Bobby Pinson and Luke Dick. You know, Dirks writes a lot of his stuff, so he doesn't need outside stuff as much. But hey, look, he found a great song. And so, Burning Man, I think it's just. I think the couple things on that make great. It's rock and roll. It's just rock and roll energy. It just slams. It's great. It can be a great live show, great energy. I think it's great with the artist branding. So we, we talked a lot recently about branding. And so what this is basically like, I'm a little bit found, little don't know where I am. I'm a little bit holy water. I'm a little bit burning man. You know, these contradictions that so many people are. So Dirks is basically saying, hey, I'm a contradiction. On one minute, I'm a... I'm a saint and the next minute I'm a sinner. And mm -hmm. how many people feel that way? It's the, it's the same thing that kind of that Tim McGraw tapped into with, I might be a real bad boy, but baby, I'm a real good man. Yeah. You know, that's so many artists brands, what they aspire to. It's like, I want to be a bad boy, but I got to be a good man too. Cause this is the country audience. I can't just be just the bad, you know, this is expands my brand to be both. I can play in both areas. You know, I'm not too yeah. bad. Cause I'm a real good man. So it's like, I'm a little bit this, I'm a little bit that, I'm a little, I'm a little rock, I'm a little country, I'm a little all this stuff, which I think not only fits Dirk's brand really well of being a little holy water, a little burning mm -hmm. man, but fits a lot of what the audience feels about themselves. Like, yeah, man, I'm up, I'm down, I'm a little a center one minute, saint the next, and idiot one second, wise old man the next, you know? Yeah. So I think it fits the audience going, yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little bit found, but a little don't know where I am. A little holy water, yeah, a little burning man. So, and notice how they did holy water and burning. You got the water and the fire set up right oh, opposite yeah. each uh, other. Plus, yeah. holy water going a little saintly, but then burning man. You think of that festival where I don't know a whole lot about it, but I'm feeling debauchery out in the desert. Yeah, you oh, know, yeah. crazy uh -huh. town, right? So, you got those things uh, set up against each other. So, great stuff there. Next up is Tequila, written by Dan Smyers, Jordan Reynolds, and Nicole Gallion, performed by Dan and Shay. Man, I think this one is so much of it is great melody, just a beautiful melancholy. You know, it's mm. that missing somebody uh, thing, and they just sing their butts off, and it sounds great. So sonically, it's great. I think it has a great melody, especially on that chorus, and and also great rhymes. So it's like when I drink. Now let me see if I have it. Yeah, when I taste tequila, baby, I still see ya. 
cut up the floor in a sorority. So internal cut up the floor in a sorority t-shirt. The same one you wore when we were sky high in Colorado, your lips pressed against a bottle, swearing on a Bible, baby, I'd never leave you. I remember how bad I need you when I taste tequila. You know, so all these is so rhymy. Yeah. But it's it's got some cool images in there and internal rhymes of floor, sorority, and the Bible, I'd never, you know, got the I sounds in there. So, I mean, it's just tightly constructed. And I remember how bad I need you when I taste tequila. And so it's, you know, soft rhymes for tequila, but you got tequila, see ya, we were, leave ya, need ya, tequila. And, and when you put it, when you put it to the melody, though, it just takes on it. And it, and it flows and it sounds great. It doesn't feel forced in there. It's, just, it's, right. it's right in there. It's great. So, yeah, that's what I think about that. It's the rhymes, great, beautiful melody and melancholy kind of thing. Let's see what else we got here. Some of it by Eric Church, written by Eric Church, uh, Jeff Hyde, Clint Daniels, and Bobby Pinson. And so performed by Eric Church. And I think part of what makes some of it so awesome is the depth of it. Like, it's just these life lessons pieces of wisdom right that some of it is what wisdom but they never say wisdom in the song which is cool and and it's just interesting language beer don't keep love's not cheap and trucks don't wreck themselves you're like what's going on here (laughs) mama ain't a shrink daddy ain't a bank and god ain't a wishing well money ain't rich everybody sins nobody wins in a fight sometimes wrong is right you know so it gives you all these like advice and like little pearls of wisdom and they're like, yeah, some of it you learn the hard way. Some of it you read on a page. Some of it comes from heartbreak. Most of it comes with age. And none of it ever comes easy. A bunch of it you maybe can't use. I know I don't probably know what I think I do, but there's something to some of it. You know? yeah. And so they never say wisdom in there, which is really cool. Like It's like saying I love you without saying love, right? Right, right. So it's just a cool thing. So it's like really interesting language. It's all these little bombs these little value bombs these little wisdom things that how many of these can you plug into your life yeah it almost maybe sounds not like all a, of them but there's something to some of it I sounds bet. like a speech at a graduation or something <laughs> <laughs> a really cool graduation yeah like a air church wow, not yeah, like only were they valedictorian graduation. Yeah. they were out on friday night too <laughs> so so not only is it interesting language it's it has more depth to what it's talking about it's it's truth which resonates with people but it, and, but it still moves some it's not like just a slow ballad and mm-hmm. the thing that's kind of surprising it still has a singable chorus melody right even for depth they didn't sacrifice like some singability and, and what i think is cool is like some of it you learn the hard way some of it you read on page some of it so they repeat that they're hammering the hook and then they none of it a bunch of it so they do those internal rhymes where they still have that some of it flow to it, but they replace some of those words so it doesn't get totally worn out. None of it and a bunch of it. Then they come back around and, and book in that course, but there's something to some of it. So I just think that's great. So a lot of great stuff in there. And I think we can move on to number eight. I love what uh, Church does with his stuff like that. Oh, he's so good. Decidedly non pop. Uh huh. Yeah. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. but still accessible and a little more depth to some of it. And it's good yeah. stuff. All right. Next up is everything's going to be all right by written by, let's see who we got here. Chris Stevens, David Lee Murphy and Jimmy Yeary. And I mean, I think a big part of this is just, it's again, like it meant to be, it's so singable. It's a light positive message. So it's not super deep. Like meant to be is not super deep. Everything's going to be all right. Not super deep, but simple, singable, singable. course. Everything yeah. going to be all right. You know, just, <laughs> yeah. just again, it's like if you're not singing it the second time, you just, you must not have a ticket to the show. Or you're are deaf. You, you, you can't must hear be in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, yeah. everybody going to pee all right. So, um, so I think that's a huge part of that. It has good detail in there about, you know, she looked back over her shoulder and pointed at the sign hanging there on the wall said everything's going to be all right. So they found a clever way to, to kind of get into that. But I think it's that course. It's just, it's a good positive message. You don't need to hear that. Everything's going to be all right. And who doesn't want to sing that? I mean, I bet again, everybody in the place is going to be singing along. And that's one thing that just really hit me is like, okay, how many of these courses and stuff are so sing along? Yeah. They're easy to sing along to. Yep. Okay. I need to Which makes you feel more. good feels good. I want to sing along. It's nice, you know? So like drunk girls, not the big sing along thing. It has a different superpower. Tequila may not be as sing along, but it's a great melody. You mm -hmm. want to be able to sing along. With it. Uh, but everything's going to be all right. Whiskey glasses meant to be just want to sing along. Yes. Or whiskey glasses that line them up, line them up stuff. Next song is also hook after hook after hook up down performed by Morgan Wallen. Written by Brad Clawson, C.J. Solar, and Michael Hardy. Morgan Wall had two in there? Uh, yeah, two as an artist. And let's see, Michael Hardy has two in there as a writer. He wrote God's Country and Up Down. And also, Bobby Pinson had two as a writer on Burning Man and some of it. So I think those are the only folks that had two in there. That's strong, my friend. That's yeah, strong. yeah. So Up Down, and Michael Hardy's just taking over country music right now. He's just killing everything. Everybody just see him as artist named Hardy. But up down is just basically the idea is, you know, we live it up down. We live it up down here, you know, and everything that goes up down. And so it's, again, it's not, you know, it's like the opposite of drunk girl. It's not this big meaty or some of it's not this big meaningful thing, but it's just hooky. The way they keep coming around to uh, up down, up down, you know what, you know, pass me the fifth of crown and I'll turn it up down up down up down <laughs> you know i got the red on my neck from being out in the sun as it goes up down up down you know and then the chorus is you know we're just holding it down here in bfe still rolling around with a burnt cd free bird five minutes deep head bobbing up down up down up down <laughs> and so it's like this small town we anthem morgan wallen is us and we are him right it's that yeah. branding it's that culture it's like yeah I'm still rolling around. I'm holding it down here in BFE. You know, that small town. That's me. He's and talking about me. That's my life. Yeah, I am rolling around with a burnt CD and free bird, my head going up down. That's me. And we got what we got. We don't need the rest. Can turn this parking lot into a party with an ice chest, dancing cold beer. Man, we live it up, down, up, down. We live it up down here. So it's like anthem thing, you know, like pride and, and how you're living and what you got. So it's got that, and then hook, hook, hook. Just going yeah. up, down, up, down. Just pounding that into you. I love that. I, I haven't you heard that submission. I got I to gotta hear that. Yeah, it's good. It's just catchy, man. Just like so much of this going. As a lyricist, I can get so caught up on trying to be clever, trying to be this deep, meaningful stuff. And obviously, this shows you can be deep and meaningful, be commercially successful, and have your peers go, yeah. But yep. man, it's singable and hooky. It's, oh my gosh, you know? That counts too. 
and probably some of it, I don't know if that went number one. Maybe it did. I don't think Drunk Girl did. It was just a little too, a little too much, but it's mm-hmm. great. But yeah, it's just like, okay, as, as I'm in the room with people thinking hooky, hooky, it's not just what they're saying, it's how we're saying it. It's not just what we're saying, it's how we're, I got to pound that in me as a lyricist and look past yeah. like, yeah, I, I dig what we're saying, but what sings really well? Okay, because a lot of times when I'm woodshed and I'll, I'll bring in a lyric that's a little too much lyrical, heavy on the chorus, like this is a lot of chorus, you know, but that's what I woodshedded. Maybe that just needs to be the verse. <laughs> right, know? right. And we just need the simple singable chorus. And if, it's a, if it thought it was going to be a good chorus lyric, it's going to be a great verse lyric. And now let's write the chorus that's just the big singable, everybody participate, come on in chorus. And then it's not only how you, like what you're saying, how you say it, but how you serve it up when you say it too. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like with the melody, with the vibe, with the pocket and the sort of phrasing that you're putting in there mm-hmm. and how to make it just feel good when you're saying it. Yeah, exactly. It's got, if it don't sing, it won't get sung. That's right. You know, and the artist is going to be like, I got to, if they're having trouble flip, you know, tripping over it in the studio, they may pull it for another one. that's easier to sing. Yeah. You know, is it, can they do this live? Does it feel good? Can I remember it? You know, and and all this stuff goes into it. Do I want to sing this night after night after night? Is this fun to sing? Yeah. All right. That's a big help. Yep. If um, I stop in the third chorus and turn the lights up and then the crowd's going to finish out the chorus for me. Exactly. So <laughs> I only got to sing about two thirds of it every night. Exactly. <laughs> right. Even, even better. <laughs> all right. Last one of the 10 songs I wish I'd written was Drowns the Whiskey, written by Brandon Kinney, Jeff Middleton, and Josh Thompson, performed by Jason Aldean. And I think this one a little bit got the Breath of Fresh Air Award because it's just a good country drinking song. The cliche pinata, you uh-huh. know, twisting that cliche. Normally it's like, you know, drowning her memory. Right. Well, the twist on this is, well, her memory drowns the whiskey. She sobers me up kind of thing. Like the whiskey ain't working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As Travis Tritt and Marty Stewart said, wise men, prophets of our generation. But the whiskey isn't working, right? Because yeah. her you know whiskey's supposed to drown in memory but i've had one one you know then one too many and blah blah, blah. the thing that really gets me is how her memory drowns the whiskey yeah i got drinking supposed to drown her whis- memory is not working <laughs> sorry lynchburg <laughs> i hate to tell you and so it's just he did that with miranda lambert right yeah had miranda on there and it went number one that's that's i remember her saying gosh that, that's just uh just that's goes to show way. you the only way I'm going to get to number one is if I'm singing somebody that's got a penis. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She didn't I think say that was that. an exact quote. <laughs> that, was a, that was the quote. But she's rightfully pissed off, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. She's doing great work. But it's a good song. I think it's just like, oh, man, that's just, a, that's just a country song. Yeah. Which is like a breath of fresh air. And the truth, by the way. And the truth. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, like, you ain't going to get rid of it with a whiskey. Just <laughs> I'd probably just be drunk and sad. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm writing that. <laughs> so great i was sober and sad and i'm just drunk and heartbroken. great yeah. thanks all right that i'm writing that all right so but yeah i think it's turning that cliche upside down it's true it's just good traditional breath of fresh air like ah oh, that's nice you know oh man so there's one more those are the 10 i wish i'd written and this is the 11th one which is the song of the year voted on by the professional members of ASCAP or of uh National Songwriters Association International. Ooh, okay. Break Up in the End, performed by Cole Swindell, written by Chase McGill, Jesse Joe Dillon, and John Knight. And, man, I think this one is, and I haven't heard it a ton. It went number one. I just feel like I just didn't hear it a ton. But I've gone back and I've listened to it. I'm like, yeah, that song's really good. (laughs) And it's it's a ballad, for one thing. Wow. Got a ballad on the radio. It's sad. Wow. You know, it has a long sad and it. about yeah. <laughs> Wow. It better be great. And so part of it is like, yeah, you got one, <laughs> you know, like good, good on y'all. But I think it's so true. It's basically the, the thing is I'd still walk in that bar a little drunk. I'd still ask you what you're drinking, what's your name. I'd still kiss you by the shuffleboard last call at 2 a.m. Even though we'd break up in the end. You know, I love this verse here. It feels so true. I'd introduce, I'd still introduce you to my mom and dad. Say, I think I love her when you leave that room. I'd still not take their advice when I say you're moving in, even though we break up in the end. You know, oh. that just feels so real. That picture of like, she's leaving and going, I think I love her. 
you know, and she leaves the room, you talking about her. It's like, <laughs> that just feels so real and believable, you know? And just that thought of like, even if you'd be the one that got away, I'd still go back and get you. Even though I knew you'd be my best and work mistake, I'd still make it with you. You know, so it's so sweet. It's, it's a lot, what a lot of people would want to say about an old flame and what a lot of old flames would love to hear from their old flame. Right. So it has that yeah. going for it. Yeah. And it's just, it feels so honest and heartfelt with great imagery and honesty. And I think that's just like, it's good to feel some real emotion again. You know, like it, it's kind of hitting a different button, like drunk girl, deep. It's great. It is moving. It's like, wow, that's compelling. Some of it is kind of more heady, mm-hmm. but still like, you know, little truth bombs. You know, and you got the meant to be and everything's going to be all right, which is like, just kind of make you feel good. And then you got whiskey glasses, which is sad, but up, you know, but fun and God country, you know, it's a lot of raw, raw, right? And here we got one that's just like, here, I'm just going to, I'm just going to smack you in the feels. Yeah. This will make you feel something. Yeah. You know? I feel like, like you wish you had a relationship like this. Like, <laughs> oh man, that was good to feel something. Yeah. And I think that's part of why it's very well crafted. Um but it's also yeah honest and, and hits you in the feels and it just feels good to have a song that hits you in that that spot in your heart that country music doesn't always serve up these days which is sad because that used to be the place we go to get it you know we love a good sad song yeah and so i think that's for me that's what makes that one of the songs i wish i'd written is that like that's just it's emotional yeah I sad is nostalgic but it's not just sad you know, saying there was a lot of good there. You know, it's bittersweet. And just, yeah, it's like, oh, there's some emotion in there. So good on y'all. Good on all 11 songs. It, it was awesome. So it was a great night. But so those are my takeaways. And hopefully that's going to help you on your journey, on your climb, thinking about, you know, when you're writing, going, okay, well, these aren't the only way to have a hitter that people respond to. But is there some lessons I can pull from these to apply you, to my writing? I got a question for you. Yeah. Were you? at the award show when you got yours yeah yeah i was that's cool Heck yeah first time i ever went to the nsai awards i didn't know they had it i hadn't been in town that long <laughs> yeah, that's so, a thing yeah a you're, thing. you're up <laughs> what? Wow. Hey. uh yeah and that's back when they they did the songwriter awards and the hall of fame songwriter national songwriters hall of fame induction ceremony in one night they've split uh. them up now but they used to be in one night so it was just unbelievable so it's first time i went it's like one of my first dates with emily so like i will never be cooler than i was then <laughs> and um dude yeah, yeah. so i was yeah I was swinging the big hammer that week and uh yeah like yeah I, I don't know quite how to tell you this but kind of a big I'm deal for right now deal. yeah <laughs> it might be a bigger deal if freaking bless the broken road hadn't come out the same year it'd be a bigger deal that one song you could have waited one month for that one month you could have waited come on let me out of number one actually there are a couple left me out of number one but anyway but yeah so yeah they called us up there so i gotta get my picture made with aaron and all that good stuff bob regan i think was the president of the board at the time and and then you know so we didn't get all those songs didn't get performed because we were also sharing the night with like whoever was going in the hall of fame that night but it was it's an amazing night. It's like, okay, I got to keep going back to these because it's inspiring. The, all the songs are, I'm on board with all those songs. You know, there's not a bad one in the bunch, which yep. makes sense because there's a vote on by songwriters. <laughs> you know, yeah. Picky. And, but then it's inspiring and challenging going, all right, that's the bar. That's the bar. Don't go to the bar. Go right to the bar, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right to the bar. Hmm. Uh, that's right me. to the bar. Um, Where's the bar? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Over there? Okay, I'll have a... Gentleman Jack yeah. relax. <laughs> uh, but yeah, singable, good, you know, real emotion, great imagery, hooky, aim for that stuff. There you go. Yeah. And, and you know, take 15 minutes, figure that out before you start putting pen to paper. Like, what's the angle? Like, exactly. what, how and can you make the hook it better? When you're writing, going, okay, is it, can I say this more hooky? Am I just killing time in the verse to get to this big old course? Or can I make the verse, if that's all you heard, going, Oh, I want to hear that again. I want to hear the verse again. Can you I mean, make it I that know, hooky and that you know melodic and interesting? I just thought of this like when I was writing songs, I, there was this sort of allegiance, naive allegiance that I had to what I felt was organic in terms of writing. Like I just wanted to come to me, and I'm going to write all this stuff down. And I was completely for a while, just completely 
ignorant or resistant of the craft mm-hmm. part of the equation. We, I mean, aren't we all when we start off? Yeah, and it's, the craft part of it is, why would you resist that? To resist that is the same as saying, I'm going to be a plumber. Well, you got to do like five years of apprenticeship apprenticeship and, and, and do those. No, no, no. I'm just going to hook up some stuff to city yeah, water. Give me, hand me the pee trap and get out of my way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, man, I bought suspenders. I'm good. A builder, you know, or mm-hmm. uh, like, how would you feel if as a singer songwriter, how would you feel if the people that made your freaking guitar felt the same way that you feel approached the, making the guitar the yeah. same way. Like, I'm just going to let this buzzsaw go right here and just wherever it comes out, we're going to make a guitar and then we're going to try to sell it. And then, you know, like, what the hell? Like, it's a craft. Like, is. This, is, this is intentional. This is very oh. intention, intentionally, intentionally not deep or intentionally <laughs> deep. It's none of these are accidents. Yeah. I mean, the, the inspiration might've come there may, and there are surely happy accidents that happen along the way, but these songs are not accidents. I mean, I had somebody on Instagram, I'd posted a thing about, you know, a workshop I have coming up and, you know, where I help people write better, more commercial, more marketable songs. And, you know, and I have helped people, but this guy was like, you either got it or you don't. You know, I, you probably hear some of that too. Yeah. Probably yeah, about yeah. the same thing about performance. You got it or you don't. And I was like, what? I'm yeah, like, that's come the on. dumbest if you thing. Think I've ever you heard. can't be taught. Are you any better now than you were 20 years ago? He's like, not really. It's like, oh, well, there we go. But, but yeah, you're here. And why? Yeah. Like, you know, why, why are we even having this conversation? Why don't yeah. you go do something else? Like, it's all, that's the insecurity coming out of the guy. You I know? guess. And, or it's like, you can learn these things. I, I was like, all I can do is say, I raise my hand and go, uh, I've been taught stuff, <laughs> you know, yeah. from people, from co-writers, from people saying things, things I pick up on. And then also from workshops and people telling me and books I've read and going, oh, I'm learning and I can get better. Don't tell me you either have it or you don't. That's, yeah, that's just false. Now, you may have a certain amount of natural talent or not. Okay. We just showed up, right? And God gave us certain gifts and environment that we didn't pick. But you know, okay. my business is rife with people that have like loads of natural talent, but have zero or like on a scale of one to 10, like 1.5 on craftsmanship, craftsmanship yeah. of everything on being an artist, on mm. delivering a vocal, on how to tour, on understanding the brand and being consonant with the music and understanding the politics of it, right? And mm. how to play that game and the relationships part of it and how to do business you know, mm-hmm. like we got all this natural talent, but if you can't pay your bills on time, <laughs> right? then that's what people are going to remember you by. Yeah. I, you I know? think either you got it, or you don't is it shows that someone is either uneducated about it or they're just so mystified by the whole thing. They don't want to think about it or it's, just, it's an excuse to not have but, to put in the work. It's naive because what right. we, well, yeah, because that means, because what that suggests it's naive is, or that, is that you're born with it. And then once you're born with it, it's easy. Right. And I don't have to work at it. Yeah. No one has anything to tell me. What kind of ego is that saying you can't be taught? Like you either got to, you know, like no one can teach you. Well, probably no one can teach you because you don't think you can be taught. So therefore, you, was no. it an egotistical thing like that you felt or was it like a. Well, th- there was some of like, it even said like, yeah, you know, I have so much and he kind of contradicts himself anyway, within his own post going, no, you either got it or you don't, you know, I've been doing this for years and, and basically like, you know, I have a ton I could probably share with people about how to do this, but I'm like, well, you just said you, you could share it. But so I don't know. It's somewhat ego, I think, because like I'm special. Right. I got it. I'm special versus like if I had to work my butt off for maybe I'm not as special. Maybe I just worked hard, which to me, that's, you know, so whatever your story is that you like. Some people, they want to say like, no, my story makes me cool is that I wasn't born with it. I went out and got it. I worked hard. And some exactly. people's special story is I was, I'm just special. I'm just different. I'm just born with it. But also it's a protection thing, man. It's, it's laziness and it's excuses to get out yeah, of jail. It's a protection racket. It's, yeah. If I believe you either got it or you don't, I don't have to do the hard work to hone my craft and to admit that I have, that people have stuff they can teach me. Doesn't mean they're better than you. 
they just maybe have been around a couple corners you haven't been around yet. And they're like, I know what's and coming. Why, why that is that corner. the focus? Why is that the freaking focus? Like, what, what if they are better than you? What if they're not better than you? Who cares? Why do you yeah. care? Do you have something to learn or something to contribute? One of the two. Get mm-hmm. in there and do it. But if all you're thinking about is, well, they're better than me. And that's where you go to and that's where your brain's at. That's the default mechanism. And then you're focused on that. You're completely missing the boat. Yeah. You're completely missing the boat. Yeah, You're shooting yourself in the foot. I was like, okay, if you either got it or you don't, let's look at riders and you look at some of their early stuff and now you look at their stuff now and go, wow, they're, they're so much better. How mm-hmm. do you get better? You either got it or you don't. If you just got it or you don't, right why don't you just right come right out? Yeah. Why in your first song as good as your thousand song? Oh, I guess you learned along the way. Huh, how did you learn? Well, if you learn, that probably includes learning from other people, whether you're just observing or whether they're telling you stuff. And, and learning so, from doing it, right? And so, learning from doing it, right. So like, let's take what well, you mentioned, the, the Beatles. Man, I can't remember if it's John or Paul had been quoted as saying, like, you know, we started writing songs and like, it was either the first 50 or the first 150 were shite. Right, yeah. Terrible. And then they figured out like how to write songs, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that they went to Hamburg for a couple of years where mm-hmm. they were playing like eight hours a day Six or seven days a week. Eight days a week, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Get it right. Eight days a week. And they get better. You know mm. why? Because you're doing it every single day and it's a muscle mm. and it's that kind of experience that you build up to make that happen. And then I was just listening to a podcast where they're interviewing Andrew Luke Olam, who was the assistant to Epstein, who managed the Beatles. And he was talking, Andrew Luke Oldham went on to do exactly what Epstein had, Brian Epstein had done with the Beatles. He did it to, with the Stones, mm-hmm. right? And he's talking, and straight up, like, Lefsitz asks him, do the Beatles become the Beatles without Brian Epstein? He's like, no. Mm-hmm. There's no way. What he contributed to the raw talent, right? So what makes the Beatles so smart was they knew what they had and they knew what they didn't have. They knew what they knew and they knew that there was things that they didn't know and that they had to take a chance on that, you know, this guy here was telling him, hey, you kind of need to do this. And it made sense for them, right? Mm-hmm. And then they went and they did it. But there was a trust factor there. That's what a, that's what a producer is. Like, I mean, you, you know, some producers come, if you don't trust the producer, you're yeah, done before you start to sing anything. Yeah. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You either yeah. got it or you don't. Okay, well, okay, so the Beatles just were like, born... Like do the we Beatles apply and- that to any other field? <laughs> yeah. Like-, <laughs> like all these actors, you got it or you don't. They went to school. A lot of them went to acting school or they did it and they did it and they had coaches and they learned from their peers. And they, you know, wh- why is this, you know, music and songwriting, this is mystical kind of thing that, yeah. oh, you just got it or you don't. Now, like athletes, you can't coach speed. <laughs> Some people are just have better fast twitch muscles than others. But you know what they said on the couch, it'd be, fat and slow like but me. there's a boatload so like of even, athletes that have all that that still and, don't make it like to the nfl they oh, don't right because that's a, it's a whole bag of skills you have to have and that's one skill so it's like yeah you can be born with a certain like i've just always had a knack for words this has mm-hmm. always been my thing it's just always been there before writing was on my radar as a profession and yeah, so yeah, now what are you going to do about it it was a natural yeah. bent right it's like this is a nat it was a gift i didn't do anything about it. it was just a gift that was i was born with like a knack i'll call it a knack a knack for words mm-hmm. all right and a knack turned into like oh i got some got some results from that like making a little pun a bad pun tell a little story and that's if you start getting a little positive feedback on that you're like oh that's nice that's fun i like that i got a i got a laugh out of that i'll tell another pun when the situation calls for it i got a little attention for that a little positive feedback a little candy you know oh yeah i got a a wince and a grimace off that pun yeah. it's almost even better you know <laughs> and then you st- the ratchet effect kicks in so I, I devote more time for that i throw more wordplay out there and i'm and i'm reading i'm enjoying stories so i start writing a little bit and i start writing short stories and i write poetry and you know and i like the results i get and i like the story of like ah right and i was terrible you know, mm-hmm. I like bad poetry. And then I started writing lyrics and they were bad, but I liked the feeling I got. And so I devoted more attention to this knack. And then this knack became a craft and I learned, you know, I read books and I listened to NSAI speaker tapes and I tried to try to glean what I could. And I learned from co-writers and I'm a whole lot better now than I was 20 years ago at this. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Man. What that also states, by the way, is that somehow success is a destination. It's not. You know, if you got it, then you're going to be successful. And if you don't, then you don't. And it's yeah. like, man, it's it, even power. the people who are successful, like I think you talked about that one guy a bunch of episodes ago who, you know, had a hit song, came in and trying to tell everybody how to write a hit song. Oh, I, yeah. You know, around some other writers. And you're like, wait, what? Like, so what? now, you know, now, you know, everything. And, and mm-hmm. who was that guy? And what happened to him? Nothing. Yeah, I think that was uh, uh, from the Chris Lindsay interview that we did. Yeah, that's several episodes ago. So you look for Chris Lindsay. I think it's a story he told. But yeah, the thing of you either got it or you don't, and we should have just done an episode on this, is it steals your power. That story steals your power. Because yeah. either way, because you think you got it, so maybe you don't have to work and you can coast because you're one of the blessed few, or you don't got it and doesn't, you don't need to work hard because, well, you don't got it. Yeah. Either way, that story, I think, is a landmine you don't want to step on. Builds your power. It's a question that's irrelevant. Having it for me when I was an artist was just as much about having the balls to do something about it as it was to you know be able to write a song and be able to sing it and be compelling on stage and, yeah. and record some stuff. Is still being to have the balls to be vulnerable, have the balls mm-hmm. to make a mistake and go and move everybody down to Florida and, and come back with our tail between our legs if it goes sideways. Mm-hmm. It's that whole thing, and then knowing how to how to work the room. Andrew Lou Golden was talking about, just to give you an example, he was talking about the Stones. So they put out the first record, all cover songs, right? Mm. And they get a single and it gets up on the charts. And he's talking about how he manipulated the charts because mm. he could go buy three to five records from each one of these stores right. that they knew reported to the charts. And then people were going to pay attention to him. And he goes, now comes time for the second record. And we don't have any material like where we're so we're i'm trying to suggest these songs and those songs and the band's kind of like what to do second record by the way all covers except for three songs but the first one they did was and he goes it was happenstance i was i needed to I was in the studio i needed to go to the bathroom or something and he goes i went out the studio door and i turned right as opposed to left and i walked out and i ended up in the parking lot and then in comes john and paul Mm-hmm. who he knows right yeah. from working with with Epstein and he goes they were just at some songwriter awards thing or something like that yeah. which we have to be talking about right now and he goes they were sufficiently lit up you know mm-hmm. he goes but man let me tell you they were hustlers hustlers mm-hmm. like they had that too you know and yeah. so so they were like yeah uh, what's wrong Adam like he, he gives the he does a perfect John Lennon he can do John Lennon perfectly and he's telling blah, blah, blah. he's like oh well, we've got a song and he goes and they come in and he goes straight up he goes these guys come in show the band the stones because they cut a Beatles song wow but the Beatles never cut it it was a John and Paul song mm-hmm. And they're, they're well, we've got something that's almost done. We'll come in and we'll finish it. And then you can cut it. And so they pretended like they were finishing the song. Go straight up. Like Ringo recorded it like 12 days earlier. Like <laughs> they had it done. They were putting on a show to, to yeah. get them interested in cutting the song and making them feel like it was just fresh what and is, brand new. It's the story, baby. Yeah, man. I mean, we'll finish see, this for you in front of you. Yeah. What, and oh, so, that's cool. What's the story? So that's part of being, that's part of it too, is them being interested in that. Like, okay, well, if we're not going to do this, I want somebody else to do it. And they love just as much, they just love seeing their name as writers mm-hmm. on other people's records. Mm-hmm. Like that was their thing for the side. I don't know. There's so much to it. And honestly, talent is 10% of it. Yeah, it's, it's not the whole deal. And we need to wrap this up because we're, I made fun of Johnny's last episode because it was long and this one's longer. So, um, <laughs> and I and I hardly talked on this one. Not and for I'll nothing. I'll tell you what, till the, till the end, end when we went over. <laughs> but listen, what this comes down to till is the end when we like, went over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what this comes down to is, is thinking like a pro songwriter, right? Thinking whether I got it or I don't and studying what makes a, a song great, all that stuff. It comes down to thinking like a pro songwriter. So if you want to think like a pro songwriter, a good step is with my gift to you. It's my free ebook called Think Like a Pro Songwriter. You can get it at giftfrombrent.com. That's giftfrombrent, that's me, B-R-E-N-T.com. And it's Think Like a Pro Songwriter. You just download it, you get instant access to it. And it also puts you on the insider's email list for Songwriting Pro and let you know about workshops we have coming up, but also let you know about when the new podcast drops, cool events and cool stuff going on, and just a lot of good free information that you can, hopefully will help you on your climb. So that's it. 
get from rent.com. Check it out. Well, there you go, guys. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, join the climb community. If you haven't done so subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review and tell somebody about what you just heard. If it makes sense and it's helping you, it'll help them. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.